this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona, this is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is gonna have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. It is uh, Wednesday, 26 April, Year of Our Lord, 2023. We are packed, obviously a big day on everything related to the budget, spending, the destruction of the American economy. We're gonna get to that a little later. Let's start, I think we've got Jane Zirkel. We got a very special show. Jane Zirkel is live with us in Manhattan. We also got Robert Spencer, one of the great uh, warriors uh, of uh, free speech and the anti-communism is gonna join us from the conference World War III, the early years, and Dr. Bradley Thayer is going to come back today. Let's start with Jane. Jane Zirkel, you're in Manhattan. Tell us where you are and why are you there, ma'am? So I'm on the ground here outside of what was the America Chang Lee Association office buildings, which hosted the CCP police station outpost that was raided back in October of 2022. And of course, two men were recently arrested for operating because they were spying and harassing Chinese dissidents, such as Miles Guo, who were living in the U.S. Yeah, we've got Jane is going to report. We've got a lot of updates. Uh, it's gone to the the uh, trial's gone to the uh, jury in the federal case uh, with uh, the Fugees uh, in Washington D.C. We're going to get an update from her on that. Also, <laughs> the Ministry of State Security's uh, outpost in Manhattan. Uh, we're going to have new, Nicole from New Federal State. Jane is going to be there live. We're going to get to all of it. Jane, you hang on. I'm going to come back to you uh, shortly. So just hang with us. A lot going on here about the Chinese Communist Party and their activities to stop true dissidents as we put them on the spot on the early days of the Third World War. We got a great open from the weekend. The conference was just amazing. The conference in Torrance, California, put on by the American Freedom Alliance. Let's go ahead. We got a clip of Robert Spencer's presentation. Let's play that and I'll bring Robert on. And the idea is to encourage mass migration that will destroy the foremost nation states in the world, which are the states of Western Europe and the United States of America. And then once those are destroyed, the rest is easy. So you destroy them by bringing in all these people who will weaken the attachment of the population to the national culture, weaken even knowledge of the national culture. Meanwhile, you're doing all these things to encourage contempt for the nation's history and culture. And at the same time, you have a force that you are helping and bringing in in large numbers that actually has been at war with the West for 1400 years, hates the West, and has a very deeply ingrained sense of superiority that is based on their own theological principles. And so you end up with this ready-made force there that will help you in your work of destruction. Now, what, best, what better way to have a massive reduction in human population than a big war? And so you solve everything all at once. You see, you've got people flooding into the country who do not share the values of the country and don't intend to. 
you've got the weakening of the national character as a result. You've got the imperative to censor disinformation, as it's called. And you can accomplish all of these things all at once by having a war. You destroy the nation, you reduce the population, and you impose more authoritarian measures. In fact, I'm not sure, but I might be breaking California law right now. Because in, on September 13th, 2022, Gavin Newsom signed uh, Bill 587, which requires social media corporations to report to the state about hate speech and disinformation on their platforms and what they are doing to eradicate it. Now, what's hate speech? Hate speech is speech the left doesn't like. What's disinformation? Same definition. But these are the kinds of terms that confuse people who don't realize the game that's being played. And they think, well, of course, I'm not, I'm not for hate speech. Uh, and of course, we can't have disinformation. And so Gavin Newsom, when he signed it, he said, California will not stand by and allow social media platforms to spread hate speech and disinformation that endangers our communities and cuts against our fundamental principles as a nation. Well, in the first place, it's that kind of initiative that actually fights against our fundamental principles as a nation because the freedom of speech is the foundation of any free society. You don't have freedom of speech, you're done for. You're, you cannot, if without the power to dissent, then the authoritarian regime is in place and they can do whatever they want and there's nothing you can do about it. September 1st, 2022, Joe Biden gave his infamous red and black speech where he was standing in front of a couple of Marines, which was a signal, you know, we're gonna call out force against you if you dissent. And he said that Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent a threat to the very foundations of the Republic. Now, you have to understand, there has been political discourse and bitter political disagreement in the United States since 1776. But never, not once, never has one political leader said of his primary opponent that they were a threat to the very basis on which the republic is built. That's the kind of language that you have to find in a different kind of regime, or actually the same kind of regime, but most people don't realize that it's already upon us. Adolf Hitler in 1933 said that the Communist Party, now I'm, I'm no fan of the Communist Party, you understand, there are no good people in this, in this conflict, that, but the Communists were standing in the way of his majority in the Reichstag to impose the Enabling Act, which would allow him to become a dictator. And so he, got, he found a way to get rid of the Communists. He blamed them for the fire that had burned down the Reichstag, the Congressional Building, and then said that the communists represent a threat to the very foundations of the republic. But who was the real threat to the very foundations of the republic? He was. Okay, welcome. Uh, we now have Robert 
Robert Spencer, I, I think you're probably maybe one of the top two or three leading experts in this nation about trying to suppress speech. I mean, people should know that Robert Spencer has been the, the tip of the spear in warning America and fighting against radical Islamic Jihad, not just here in this country, uh, where you've done an amazing job, but uh, throughout the world. In fact, I remember even at CPAC, I think it was 12, 10 years ago or 12 years ago, Spencer got the hook from CPAC because he was laying down so many truth bombs. We had to actually have a whole ballroom set up, what we called the uninvited. We did it two years in a row. Uh, and of course, it drew a packed house because Robert Spencer is a guy that really lays it on the line. In this context, Robert, and some of the things you said, and the reason I wanted to have you on as quickly as possible after the conference in, uh, in uh, California, you made a statement there that I, th I hope sent a chill through the audience. It certainly sent a chill through my production team as we've been putting this together and getting right. Well, you said, given this very logical, very meaningful, very thoughtful discussion about free speech in the fight against these radical totalitarian communists, you said, by the way, uh, I may have actually broken the law and given this presentation since I'm in Torrance, California. Walk us through that. I mean, are we already losing this third world war? We call it the early years. Have we allowed the communists in their fifth column here in this nation to steal a march on us in this regard? Absolutely, Steve. I wish I could say no, but unfortunately, they have been very carefully and systematically setting up what is essentially an authoritarian communist state, piece by piece, little by little, often on a state level, as we see with the California measure that Gavin Newsom put signed into law in September 2022. It's plainly against the First Amendment, but as far as I know, there's no challenge to it. Nothing's being done. It's being taken for granted. And a whole generation has been taught that hate speech is not free speech and doesn't deserve First Amendment protection. Nobody ever seems to stop and wonder, well, what exactly is hate speech? Who gets to decide what it is? And what are the penalties or what ought to be the penalties for it? But obviously, this is an initiative that the Biden regime is also very much part of. They tried to get their disinformation governance board set up last year and were stopped because it was such a flagrant violation of the First Amendment in such an obvious way that they were stymied. But that doesn't mean they just give up and suddenly decide to renew their appreciation of the First Amendment. On the contrary, they just find different ways to do it in a stealthy manner that doesn't attract general attention. And then they can get it all done without our even realizing until one day we wake up and find that there are all man there's all manner of speech that's prescribed that will get you canceled, that will now get you prosecuted, and then arrests will come. All manner of things come from that. We just had the situation with the, the guy that did the memes on, on about uh, Clinton in the 2016 exactly. campaign. But I want to pull the camera back for a second because I want to connect these or have you connect them. You've been one of the great fighters and warriors defending the Judeo-Christian West for many decades now about this whole concept of radical Islam. And I remember one of the first things you told me is that, hey, uh, <laughs> and I think you and, and Trevor Love might call it red and green or because in London, the time I spent in London, I said, it really shocks me how many of these leftists work hand in glove with the radical jihadists. And it doesn't seem like they have a lot in common except for their hatred of the Judeo-Christian West and particularly speech. 
Um, well, I mean, is that what we're seeing here in this? In this, because now you have this murder. You have the Chinese Communist Party. You have the KGB in Moscow. You have the mullahs in Iran. You're seeing now in the Gulf Emirates there are a lot of guys saying, you know, in Iraq, in the House of Saud, hey, let's just do our trade and uh, let's get off petrodollars. Is this coming to fruition where you're seeing a merger of some of the elements when you talk about Persia and the, and the mullahs there? Uh, and you got, you know, Qatar uh, in, in the Gulf. You see some of the most radical elements of, the, of this uh, uh, Islamic supremacy merging with some of the other bad elements in this third world war, sir? Yes, absolutely, Steve. They go hand in hand because you have both are basically authoritarian. That is the left and the jihad groups and Sharia countries. Sharia itself is basically authoritarian. That is Islamic law. It, it, the, both the left and Sharia are based on a reign of terror. Every time the left has been in power, they impose a reign of terror. They t try to terrorize the population into submission by killing their enemies, by arresting people on a more or less arbitrary basis for minor offenses, and the rest of the population is frightened into submission. Now, that's exactly what Islamic law essentially does by saying, okay, you, you do this, we'll cut off your hand, you commit adultery, you're stoned to death, you uh, do these various other offenses, you are brutalized in other ways. It, it creates virtue by means of fear. And so also in, in line with that, Islam is also basically authoritarian because the vision of Allah in the Quran and in Islamic tradition is of uh, essentially an absolute ruler who is not even bound by the good or evil distinction. He can do whatever he wants. So for example, the Quran says if Allah had wanted to, he could have brought everybody to the truth, but instead he's gonna fill hell with human beings. That's chapter 32, verse 13 of the Quran. So the point is that that terrorizes you into submission as well. You figure, well, he just might throw me into hell just for nothing. I better toe the line and hope I can stay on his good side. It creates a vision for society of the same kind of capricious authoritarian ruler. And Muhammad is supposed to have said in a hadith, he's de depicted as saying, obey your ruler even if he is an Ethiopian with a head like a raisin. People usually quote that to say, oh, see, Muhammad was a racist. And that's a fair point. But I think the most important aspect of that statement is that he's trying to think of the most outlandish person he can, and that's the Ethiopian. But he's saying, you even obey him. And so Islam throughout history, in my book, The History of Jihad, I show it, 1400 years, there's never been a republic or a democracy. It's all authoritarian regime after authoritarian regime. Turkey is often cited as an exception, but Turkey actually was founded on the basis of a rejection of political Islam. And so you have this authoritarian religion and you have these authoritarian internationalists who want to destroy, repub the, destroy republics and create this international authoritarian regime. They know they can't stamp out religion. The Soviet Union tried to stamp out religion. It proved impossible. It's a universal human impulse. So they found a religion that they can work with, that they like, because it lends itself to their agenda. And so I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing the encouragement of mass migration of Muslims into Western Europe and to a secondary degree into North America. 
to foster a an acceptance for authoritarianism, as well as, of course, weakening the native culture and national character of the various states involved. We talk about the Judeo-Christian West. Is it your belief that our quote-unquote allies who are so focused on Ukraine, although they're not paying for any, any of it, do you believe our allies in Western Europe have already essentially lost to the reality of, of radical Islamic Jihad? Yeah, we're looking at something that is going to radically transform those states within the next few decades. You just look at the demographics, look at the numbers, look at the birth rates, and you're looking at Muslim majorities in France, Germany, Britain, and elsewhere by the end of this century and probably before. And then you've got to deal with the prospect of a nuclear-armed Islamic Republic of France that's hostile to the United States. And it's going to change the geopolitical situation in ways that are unimaginable at this point. Real quickly, we, we've got to bounce, but I want to have you back on for a deeper discussion. But just, you've also been one of the guys that have warned us about the mullahs and the ayatollah in, in Persia, in Iran. Is this long-term relationship that they have with the CCP, uh, that does that make them the Chinese Communist Party's big partner in the Middle East? And does that change the dynamic around our ally Israel? Oh, yeah, very much so. See, when Trump was there, and he was overseeing the Abraham Accords, then they, the Sunni states were banding together with Israel in view of the Iran threat. And now Biden is in, the Biden regime, the people running Biden, they hate the Abraham Accords, they hate Israel, they tried to get an accord with Iran themselves, but then the massive protests in Iran made that impossible. China steps in, and fosters the accord between Saudi and Iran, this completely undercuts the Abraham Accords. Not only did Netanyahu want to build, want, not want to bring in Saudi into the Abraham Accords, but it also undercuts the states that are already there, because if the Saudis can come to an accord with Iran, then it opens up the prospect that they can too, and they don't need to have an alliance with Israel which is objectionable to a large segment of the populations in each of the Abraham Accords countries on Islamic theological principles. Robert, how do people get to your writings in your book and in uh, all, all your books you've done and particularly your social media? How do people uh, catch up with you? Thanks, Steve. I'm heavily shadow banned, but I can still be found at Jihad Watch RS. That's J-I-H-A-D Watch RS on Twitter. Got the website jihadwatch.org where we still track jihad activity, but we've also added the left column, which now tracks uh, some of the left's attempts to encroach upon our freedoms. The new book, The Sumter Gambit, How the Left is Trying to Foment a Civil War. It's available wherever there are books, still on Amazon, at least for now. Also have a new book called The Critical Quran, which is a new translation, an honest translation, unlike many others, and uh, commentary to help you understand why this book causes so much conflict. Robert, you're one of the true patriots in this country, and you have risked so much, including your, your, your life, your fortune, your sacred honor, your pursuit of happiness. You're, you're a great patriot to this country, so we're honored to have you on here. Looking forward to having you back on again. Thank you, sir. Robert Spencer has given a lot for his country and for uh, the entire civilization of the Judeo-Christian West. Let's, let's go to Rome and bring our own Ben Harnwell. Ben, 
Uh, you brought this up. We've been. I want everybody to understand. We're in a dogfight right now. This big vote that's going on in the on the debt ceiling and everything on the debt ceiling aspect. And quite frankly, as people know, we're not ecstatic with this first cut of this. We don't think it goes deep enough. And one of the reasons is I keep warning people that don't just assume that we're going to be the prime reserve currency. And being the prime reserve currency has so many benefits. It has lots of obligations, but it has benefits. Even if we didn't want to do be the prime reserve currency and take the dollar off that, it should be a process that we think it through and figure out how to get off it. Not like what happened to England after World War II. And one of the reasons England had you know decades of just what I call the gray time in, in England uh, was before Thatcher was because of losing the pound as the prime reserve currency, obviously predicated upon all the huge losses they'd had in the war. Uh, ben, you finally today, you pointed out to me, Foreign Policy Magazine puts up what the war has been talking about for a couple of years. But I think it's very important to understand that the establishment now is sitting there going, hey, this de-dollarization thing looks like the BRICS. And that's why I need everybody to go to birchgold.com slash Bannon to get the whole aspect, the whole thing with the, the teachings we've been putting up about gold. And I keep saying that and you got to go to birchgold.com slash Bannon to get the third episode, the third installment on the debt ceiling, on the debt debate, but read all of them. And then also go and all the rest about Birch Gold because the BRICS, the, the global South, they have the resources are literally going, I think, to a gold-backed system. But tell me what foreign policy says, Brother Harnwell. Steve, good afternoon to you. Um, I have to say, before I start this, um, it's very, I feel unworthy following Robert Spencer. Um, yeah. Everyone, I think, rem he's a giant, but he's a giant, <laughs> but you're getting there, Ben. You're getting there slowly but surely. Um. Steve Cortez had, had a great expression on the show this morning when he said that the mainstream media was following um, in, in water skis in the wake created by the war room. And um, I smiled at that. That's a brilliant expression. And it's often true. There are so many stories that you think, you know, why is Steve Bannon talking about this? No one in the media is talking about this. You know, what, what's going on? Um, Where's the buzz here in, in the news cycle? And then like six months, nine months, a year later, then everyone starts talking about it. You start, you start to re realize just how far the game the war room is. Um, as you say, this is a, an, an interesting story, not only because it's in foreign policy uh, magazine, which I, which I obviously read every single day, um, but this is their lead article today on, on, on their site. Um, and this material might be new for a lot of people. It won't be new for the for the um, for the war room yeah. posse. Um, yeah, Memphis. Can you go, 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 put up the lead, go and put up the story itself. Let's put it up by Ben talks. Go ahead, Ben. Continue on. Yeah. Um, the 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 the, um, the author of this article is actually an old colleague, I think, of yours, Steve Cortez's, and Dr. Navarro. He's a, a guy called Joseph W. Sullivan, who is um, special advisor and staff economist at the White House. Council of Economic Advisors during the Trump administration. So not only are they following on here foreign policy, is it following on in um, the war room's wake, but unusually perhaps for such a, a deeply establishment organ, they've actually tapped someone within the, the, the MAGA um, environment uh, to, 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 to put forward these arguments. It's not in deeply economic or deeply financial uh, language. So I do recommend the War in Posse just to, to, to go there, have a look at it. And um, there's some great lines in here. I'll start off with this one, um, which is right at the beginning. Um, 
This is a quote for, from Lula, the, the, the Brazilian president. Every night, he says, he asks himself why all countries have to base their trade on the dollar. Importantly, crucially, he actually made that statement um, in Beijing. And the, the, the article goes on to say that um, talking about the concept of the BRICS countries establishing their own currency, that such a currency um, in terms of GDP would not only would not only simply match that of the, the United States economy, uh, it would actually uh, uh, exceed the, the, the seven members of, uh, of the G7 altogether. This is how big this concept is and how much it will um, challenge the, uh, the, the whole of the financial infrastructure in the future, but certainly the, the interest uh, that the United States has um, in, in having the dollar up until now as the, as the currency of, uh, of the reserve currency and, 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 ult and ultimate settlement. Interestingly, I, I just want to point out one, uh, one section here, which I think is going to be the issue on which the United States tries to fight back against this alternative global currency. Um, I remember that you said, so that you popularized, I think, for a lot of people, this idea of the Thucydides trap, where, where warfare can break out when a dominant but declining power is overtaken by uh, an emerging uh, hegemon. Um, and I wonder, reading this article and listening to the war room itself, what the United States will do in order to protect its prerogatives um, that are vested in King Dollar. Um, specifically, specifically, and when I say the United States, I do mean the military industrial complex. Will the, will, will the, the, the people who probably have most to gain uh, in maintaining this tool of potential uh, economic warfare to do with sanctions, what have you, will they be prepared to let the dollar go gently into that dark night? I don't think so. I don't remotely think so. Um, and here, I, I think, is where the, the issue is going, the fight back is going to be. Specifically, Joseph Sullivan indicates that the, one of the reasons that's going to make the, the BRICS countries starting a new currency so much easier is that collectively, they have a massive balance uh, a balance of trade surplus. I think it's like some 360 or something billion. I'm going to hold, I'm going to give way for the break and then I'll come back and finish this point, Steve. I'll go through the break. I've got Dad, Dr. Bradley Thayer, one of the top experts in this. Also, we're going to go to New York. We're going to talk about the Ministry of State Security. Jane Zirkel's there outside their old headquarters police station in Chinatown. We're going to bring in Nicole from the new federal state of China also to talk about all this. Short commercial break. Back in the warm in a moment. Starting the new year, how will you prepare yourself, friends, and family? In the news, you're seeing constant government overreach, attacks on our communication and energy grid, worldwide conflicts, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. And relying on your cell phone in these scenarios simply won't cut it. That's why over the last year, I've been partnering with Satellite Phone Store to help you stay prepared and assure your vital communications stay private. They're one of America's largest satellite companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. For a limited time, Satellite Phone Store has a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 
123.com slash Bannon. Get a bivy stick or an Imarsat satellite phone included with an annual agreement. Remember, that's you get a bivy stick or a Marsat satellite phone included with an annual agreement. Now, Satellite Phone Store's customer support team is located in the United States of America and can help you pick the best plan for you. Go to sat.com right now. That's sat123.com slash Bannon. Sat123.com slash Bannon. And get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That is sat123.com slash Bannon. Sat123.com slash Bannon. Get it today. Take action, action, action. In my younger days, I was a naval officer on a destroyer. In fact, I was the A-gang officer in charge of all the engineering systems that were not main propulsion. And one of those was air purification. And I can tell you, the standards of the United States Navy are second to none. If all home air purifiers are the same, why did the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships? Because of EnviroCleanse, advanced mineral technology goes beyond ordinary HEPA filters to destroy airborne illness causing cold and flu viruses, including COVID. EnviroCleanse is the new science in air purification, and now you can order one for your home. This is how you help stop colds and flus from taking your whole family down. This is how you destroy allergy and flaming toxins and mold from the air your family breathes. In fact, this hospital-grade technology is so powerful that it promises far fewer colds and allergies and better sleep. Visit ekpure.com. That's ekpure.com. And use the code STEVE for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home purification unit. You also receive a free air quality monitor, plus fast, free shipping. That's $150 savings right there. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand. And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business, almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. 
favorite uh, guys. I've got uh, Thayer, Dr. Bradley Thayer, and Ben Harnwell. Uh, ben, hit 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 the punchline here because this is you know it's like uh, and I know it's kind of overused today, but it's like um, uh, Hemingway said about bankruptcy: slowly and then suddenly. And the reason I've been the reason I've been on this for a couple of years is that this is so fundamental to our nation's economic health. And if we're going to if we make a decision not to be the prime reserve currency, it ought to be our decision about how to do it right now. Greatest enemy this country's ever had, the greatest existential threat this country's ever had, the Chinese Communist Party in cahoots with the certain elements of the administrative state in our country and tech and financial oligarchs. Are driving and making this decision for us, and it once you make that once that happens, you're not going to be un, unwinding. We're going to be a very different country. All of I want you to go back about the trade surpluses. The global South has the resources. You know we have the ability of finance and technology, other, but they have the raw material, and the resources, the way the world works, and now they're going to essentially a gold-backed system with those natural resources, and it's going to totally upend the world financial system. Ben Harnwell. It will do, Steve. Um, specifically, here are the two takeaway numbers that the, that the BRICS uh, currency area uh, already has in 2022, for example, a $387 billion trade surplus, um, whereas Europe, uh, the, the, world's largest Euro, um, the world's largest currency zone, has a $476 billion trade deficit. Now, the importance here is, and I'm just going to quote this, and then I'll make my point, and then I'll give away. It says this. For starters, because the BRICS countries run a trade and balance of payment surplus, this notional currency, which the article is calling a BRIC, would not necessarily need to attract any foreign money at all. BRICS governments could use some combination of carrots and sticks to get their own households and firms to buy BRIC assets with their savings and effectively coerce and subsidize the market into existence. So look, what's the weak point there? It's to do with the, the health of the balance of trade. And this is where if a total, you know, the tariffs that, that the Trump administration placed against China were excellent and a, and a very good first stop. But if the United States is really interested, and I'm not recommending this path because of the, 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 the fallout that could, could come from Thucydides' trap type scenario. But if the, if the United States is going to prepare total um, economic warfare against China, the place to hit it would be on, on its balance of trade surplus. And we're talking there like a total and absolute blockage of all trade between China and the United States. And that might just have knock-on effects, which would kill this concept in the crib. Ben, I know it's late in Rome. I want to thank you for staying up and, and doing this. We didn't get to it in the morning show. How do people get to you on social media? Thanks, Steve. It's simply uh, my surname on Getter, which is at Harnwell. And then also go to uh, warroom.org uh, and subscribe for the newsletter because I'll be pushing out their uh, original content, original exclusive content for the Warroom Posse every day. Ben's getting much more involved in, in the newsletter and taking a much more active role, putting exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. Ben, they're doing the votes uh, tonight. We're going to come back. I want I want the oysters on the Dnieper. Uh, oysters and champagne, I think, is still in the budget. So I'm going to have to come back to you and, uh, and and pick your brain on that probably tomorrow or Friday. So thank you very much, brother. Appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off and have a gold leaf facial right now. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you. So, Dr. Thayer, one question I've got to ask after this, all these articles coming out now about uh, about the alternative currency, what they're doing. Why 
does it seem like the American elites have never taken seriously the Chinese Communist Party, particularly their strategic thrust and the way that they think things through over long term and are prepared to take the ups and downs of their many mistakes, but to really, when they get a path that they focus on, they line up on that path and they go. And their path is clearly, as you've warned us for many years, their path is the destruction of the United States of America as a constitutional republic in a capitalist society, sir. Steve, uh, the first point there is to, to recognize that uh, they don't take the ideology of the Chinese Communist Party seriously. Uh, they think that the Chinese Communist Party is uh, subject to manipulation and to influence from uh, the United States uh, and its uh, uh, Western allies. They don't understand that they don't understand uh, the strength and the fervent nature to which Chinese communists hold their belief in communism, Marxist, uh, Leninism, Maoism as their ideology. Uh, and if they were to understand that, then they would understand why uh, the Chinese Communist Party is doing what it's doing, why it's targeting the United States, why it's targeting Taiwan, its ideological rival and, and uh, uh, threat uh, to the uh, Chinese Communist Party, why it's willing to strangle Hong Kong, uh, the goose that was laying golden eggs. Uh, they're quite willing to destroy it so that they have uh, control. So Western elites uh, certainly are hubristic. They don't understand that people can see the world differently. and They don't understand that people could be targeting them uh, directly and with the strength and with the determination uh, to do so. I think that's in part because of the end of history moment, Steve. In the, the, in the wake of the Cold War, Francis Fukuyama wrote that piece, End of History, 1989 where he made the argument, well, we're all going to be Democrats and we're all going to be capitalists in the future. That was uh, the march of history. And so, so many individuals have believed that and that has restricted, it's constrained their thinking. It's also constrained their understanding of the Chinese Communist Party uh, and the depth to which they actually believe uh, their ideology. So it's a, it's a very dangerous situation. Few in the West think that people can think differently. Uh, and few in the West think that they actually have enemies. And very few in the West think that those enemies might be stronger and might be better strategists uh, than they. So it's really a conceit, Steve. It's the, the arrogance uh, of our elite and the unwillingness to think and to see reality when year after year they became stronger Year after year, we supported their growth. Year after year, we facilitated the transfer of technology and knowledge of every shape and form through legal and illegal means. Uh, and the, um, uh, this threat continued to grow, and yet we didn't uh, respond uh, in the, uh, the way certainly that we should have. We've got, uh, a, we've, we've got a couple of minutes, and obviously I'm gonna have you back because we're gonna drill into this every day. Does their leadership, does their leadership cadre take, when they see people like Biden and, and, and Blinken, do they take the American elite seriously? Do they think, although we're a very powerful nation, do they view us as a nation in decline because our elites are no longer serious people and have continued to kowtow or look the other way or dismiss the Chinese Communist Party as they've had this march 
to really the beginning of this global third world war, sir? Steve, they're schizophrenic on the U.S. Uh, they they recognize that Biden is is um, is a supine actor when it comes to China, and and, uh, and and so many of the American elite are. But at the same time, they're fearful that you're going to get Trump uh, back, and and Trump with energy and with focus could really roll them back, and that's their great fear. So they're very enthusiastic about what's happening with Biden. And the fact that he's uh, treating them with with kid gloves and has uh, since the dawn of his administration, and he's had disastrous foreign policy failure after foreign policy failure, and we're focused on a sideshow in Ukraine rather than on Taiwan and security in the Indo-Pacific. But again, to stress the point, they're fearful uh, that American strategists may come back. Uh, and uh, those strategists will take advantage of their profound vulnerabilities. Because the CCP, after all, is a, a, a paper tiger. Uh, they're uh, uh, extremely vulnerable uh, to efforts to undermine them among the Chinese people uh, and to uh, uh, develop coalitions against them in international politics to really roll them back. It's entirely possible to do that, but it needs presidential leadership and we do not have presidential leadership with the Biden administration. It's the reason. So, yeah, it's the reason this election 24. This is going to be a central issue. That's why I'm so glad we started the conference. How do people get your writings, social media, and particularly your last book, which you warned us? I think you and Lin Chauhan warned us about uh, about the CCP and kind of broke down all the different aspects of it. Uh, CenterForSecurityPolicy.org, Steve, and then at Getter and uh, Truth at, at Bradley Thayer. And the book is available, the book Understanding the China Threat is available uh, at Amazon. Dr. Thayer, thank you very much. Honor to have you My on pleasure. here. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for the update. Let me start, I'm gonna go back to Jane in a second. Let me go with Nicole. I think we got Nicole from the uh, new federal state uh, of China. Nicole, explain to our audience, you know, they've seen the new federal state, they've seen it many times, but I wanna make sure the audience knows from, do the Chinese people, are, are, are are they a threat to the Chinese Communist Party? Do they hate living under the 1.4 billion people? Do they hate living under the totalitarian dictatorship of the CCP? Absolutely. The 1.4 billion Chinese people are the biggest victim to the Chinese Communist Party. And that's why Mr. Mao's uh, follower has exceeded more than 600 million people. And most of our followers are inside the communist China. No one else better want the CCP to fall than the people who are living in the darkest corner, and that is the communist China. And so very sadly, Mr. Moscow is still behind the bar, and he has been persecuted by a weaponized DOJ and the FBI in this country. And that's very deeply concerning to all the Chinese people worldwide. Do the Chinese people understand, does Lao Beijing on mainland understand what Miles has helped do to the West so the West understands this threat? Because before we used to call China the Chinese people, Miles said, you got this wrong. It's the CCP, and that's a very small slice of the Chinese people. In fact, whoever controls this is really down to a couple thousand. Does Lao Beijing understand what Miles has been able to accomplish uh, to help the United yes, States? I 
Yes, absolutely. Just like the global elites or the American political establishment does not represent we the people or the deplorables or the chumps, the Chinese people are not represented by a few hundred uh, uh, kleptocrats in communist China. It's the same co uh, concept that the CCP does not represent the Chinese people and same, you know, the America's elites and the Wall Street and corporate America does not represent the American people. Hang on for one second. I want to bring Jane on. Jane's actually live outside the Ministry of State Security's uh, Chinatown uh, outpost that was rolling up innocent Chinese nationals that are here in the country and particularly focused on Miles Guo and Miles Guo's followers. Jane, uh, can we get you up? Jane, tell us about the Ministry of State Security. You've been following the trial, but this is the other aspect of it where Miles is victim number one and his, his movement, the 912 movement, is actually under assault by the Ministry of State Security, ma'am. Right, so I'm live outside of that outpost now that was raided by the FBI back in October of 2022. But the Ministry of Public Security has basically targeted Miles and several other Chinese dissidents that are living in New York. They have this outpost. In fact, they have hundreds of these outposts around the world. And this one was recently shut down after the controversy. But two men who were running the outpost, of course, were arrested here in New York. And they were pretty much instantaneously released on bail while Miles Guo still sits behind bars. Hang on for one second. Let me get Nicole. Nicole, how does that work? How has Miles Guo, that's done so much to help the citizens of the United States understand the threat and name names, he's still in, without bail. And the two guys who are the Ministry of State Security who are here illegally trying to roll up innocent Chinese nationals and Miles Guo's movement, they get bail in one afternoon. How does that work, ma'am? Well, that's a great well, that's question. We're asking, we're, we're asking the same question to Jim Jordan, um, uh, chairman of the House Judicial Committee and the, uh, also the Weaponization Committee. We're also pressing an answer from the Oversight Committee. We're asking the American elected officials, how come the CCP enemy number one, Mr. Moscow, is behind the bar while the CCP uh, agents are let out quickly? And let's not also forget that there are tens of thousands of the CCP spies running uh, rampant in this country, not just in New York. There are very similar CCP secret police station found also in Houston, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, and across this country, there are so many Chinese uh, agents. And a lot of them are the great assets within the U.S. federal government agencies. It's people like George Hagenbotham. He was a DOJ full-time employee. And they're also very prominent uh, U.S. Uh, power brokers like Elliot Brody and Stephen Wynn. These are the uh, CCP's most important assets within the U uh, U United States of America. They can do much greater harm than the CCP uh, police station because they have uh, access to the White House. They have access to the most powerful people in this country. So that's why Mr. Moscow have been um, uh, urging the U.S. you know, government and people start paying attention to the American sellout because they, the, these inside threats are more threatening than Xi Jinping back in China. Hang on, Nicole. We'll come back to you in a second. You mentioned Higginbotham. So, uh, Jane, get us up to date. I know you're doing reporting. You'll be with us tomorrow about the Ministry of State Security in Manhattan. But tell me, tell me, give me the trial, and particularly Higginbotham. I am stunned by the cricket. There's no coverage of this at all in the mainstream media. It's one of the most explosive trials I've seen in a long time, particularly about espionage. Give us the update. 
Right. Well, again, in the past 24 hours, the mainstream media has missed the mark in identifying the core issue here. The fact that Pras Michel was working with the CCP to lobby U.S. officials to have Miles Quo extradited. That part is completely ignored. And instead, what has been highlighted is the fact that Prof. Michelle met with the FBI several times regarding Miles Quo's extradition. And not the fact that he had those meetings, but rather the fact that rapper 50 Cent has come out and called him a rat for meeting with the FBI. It's un unbelievable. Jane, hang on a second. So, Nicole, how do we get in a situation? you got to help me out here. How are we in a situation where we have a massive trial and Miles is the centerpiece of the trial? The whole yeah. thing's about extraditing Miles Quo, and they're paying hundreds of millions of dollars. they got all these prominent Americans in the CCP saying, get this guy, we'll pay you $25 million, $100 million, guy in the Justice Department, $40 million. Miles Guo's name has never been mentioned, I don't believe, in the entire trial. Then we in New York City, and you mentioned we got these police stations all over the country. The CCP is so arrogant, they don't think the American elites will do anything about it. They got them all over taking innocent Chinese nationals who are here for freedom and want to fight the CCP. And once again, their number one target is Miles Guo. That's in the charging document, yet they just call him victim number one, and they call the movement 912, which they say... Miles is their number one target. This, your group is the number two target. Yet the the the, the, the justice, our justice department, will never mention the name Miles Guo. It's like the forbidden name. How does that work, ma'am? Well, remember, uh, uh, Press Michelle's lawyer actually uh, requested uh, Miles Guo to testify in Press Michelle's uh, trial in Washington D.C. But Miles Guo is, um, is jailed and he's not allowed to be bailed out. And also the request for him to testify in Press Michelle's trial has also been denied. And people are asking why, because that whole, uh, you know, Mr. Miles Guo is the, is the ultimate victim of Press Michelle's case, yet he was prevented from testifying. And this is the reason why people are questioning about why Mr. Miles Guo was arrested um, uh, um, days before uh, Press Michelle's trial. And it's a setup, it's a big cover up. And uh, media has been uh, silent about Mr. Miles Guo. He's identified as a victim number one in the Eastern District of New York uh, indictment against the 34 uh, officers from CCP's Ministry of Public uh, Security. Yet in the Southern District of New York, Mr. Miles Guo is uh, framed and accused of a $1 billion fraud, yet they failed to pr produce a single name of a real victim. So, um, you know, this is a very, very deeply concerning case. And so, uh, especially about why Mr. Moscow cannot be bailed out, you know, they say they cite the two uh, reasons. They say Mr. Moscow is too smart uh, to be able to uh, flee without even a trial document. And uh, so why why this question is not being asked to uh, to, to the two Chinatown men who was uh, accused for setting up the CCP's uh, police station? And why not the same question being asked to all the other people who have been let out from the jail? I mean, this um, is a two-tiered justice uh, system, and Moscow is clearly a victim of the political persecution. I might add that he was subpoenaed for the Prasmashev trial before he was uh, arrested, this, the timing, in fact, he was subpoenaed the week, like on a Thursday, yeah. the rest of the final time. The, the, the timing here is very, very, very suspicious. Uh, Nicole, what social media, how do people find out more about this, particularly people who want to understand more 
about what Miles has done and what's happening now with the Justice Department and FBI, where do they go? Follow us on NFSC Speak on uh, Twitter and NFSC Speaks on Getter, and also visit our website, nfscofficial.com. And also, I'd like to point out, uh, so after the CCP secret police uh, station was discovered, Congressman um, Tom Tiffany and Lance Gooden yesterday rec uh, introduced a bill to shut down the CCP's uh, consulate in New York. And uh, we applaud that because the CCP's uh, uh, New York consulate is a spying hub. It's the largest spying hub in the United States of America and also Bank of China. And the CCP state-owned banks operating on the U.S. soil is the money laundry. Uh, it's a uh, spy uh, hub. Uh, they need to be yeah. shut down ASAP. Miles has told us that from day one. Nicole, thank you very much. Jane, tell us where can people get you? I know you're up there doing reporting on the Ministry of State Security. Where do they go? At Jane Zirkle on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and of course, Getter. Jane Zirkel, Nicole, thank you very much for joining us. We're going to be back here. Lots going on in the debt scene. A lot of the big fight going on about Ukraine. We're going to be back at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning to go through it all. See you then at 10 o'clock in the world. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash war room to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.